salutations welcome back to everybody's favorite podcast where we eat stale popcorn and drink watered down sodas and discuss our favorite movies of all time this is an evening at the movies and i am your party host the straw that stirs the drink i am your gracious host Casey, uh, let's see, tonight we are going to be going on a little bit of a journey as we discuss the second part of our second week of Stephen King Birthday Bonanza Month, and before we get into this, I would just like to send out a huge huge shout out to everybody who joined in and listened to the green mile episode well episodes because i had to cut it to two parts and everybody who tuned in and listened to the misery episode And as well, I would like to send out a huge, huge, huge shout out to um, my awesome co-host, Amanda Kohlhofer, for coming on and helping me discuss the iconic movie Carrie, as well as I would like to give a huge ass shout out to our newest member of An Evening at the Movies Icons. Miss Jennifer Higgins for coming on and literally enduring 
a marathon long recording session so that we could discuss my all-time favorite Stephen King movie of all time, The Green Mile. So thank you to the dozens for listening. Thank you to Amanda and Jen for coming on and doing those episodes with me as well. Um, I greatly appreciate it. So with that said, tonight we are going to be discussing not one, but two movies. Um, we actually, this move, this, well, two pack of movies was requested by one of our devoted dozens who has been a part of the dozens almost since day one. So, um, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, so I'm not sure where I was going, but yes. So the movie was requested by Miss Aaron Knutson, who wanted me to do an episode on, and we are going to honor that request and do an episode on, <gasps> Pet Cemetery 1 and Pet Cemetery 2. Dot 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 no remake. No offense, but yeah, we're just going to focus tonight on uh the original and its quote unquote sequel. So, um Tune in later to the episode to find out why I said quote-unquote sequel. So yeah, so tonight, Pet Cemetery 1, Pet Cemetery 2. So, um, not, uh, we'll probably go through this movie by movie and just go all the way through and then come back and go all the way through. Pet Cemetery 2 after we're done with doing Pet Cemetery 1. That way there's no confusion and crossover. So with that said, uh, let's dig into Pet Cemetery 1. So Pet Cemetery 1 was released on April 21st, 1989 by Paramount Pictures. It was directed by Miss Mary Lambert and had a $11.5 million budget. So, um, before we go any further, I want to pause rather briefly to make note of the fact that this movie came out 12 and a half years after um, Carrie. If you're not listening in order, it's the other episode that got dropped this week. But um, if you, and if you haven't listened to the episode yet, there's going to be a very minuscule spoiler here in just a second. But so basically Pet Cemetery had a budget of $11.5 million. 12 and a half years before this, Carrie 
had a budget of $1.8 million. Oh, how times have changed in a not so significant amount of time. Well, 12 years, 12 and a half years is 12 and a half years. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not like a whole generational era. But yeah, to have King's first movie get a budget of $1.8 million and then 12 and a half years later, well, probably even less than that because the movie released 12 and a half years after Carrie. It literally got the budget to go into production probably God only knows when. I would assume 11, 11 and a half years, maybe even further back than that. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, somewhere just over the decade window, his movies have gone from getting a completely minuscule $1.8 million budget to now they're starting to get to the point where they're getting a significant bump in budget money handed out by the studio. So with that said, yeah. So Pet Cemetery had a $11.5 million budget and it also raked in a box office of $57.5 million in 1989, which would translate to approximately one hundred and twenty four point two million dollars by today's standards so um the cast uh dale midkiff plays lewis creed fred herman munster gwynn plays judd crandall denise crosby plays rachel creed miko hughes plays gage creed Blaze Birdall plays Ellie Creed. Uh, Brad Greenquist plays Victor Pascal. Michael Lombard plays Erwin Goldwyn. Susan Blomart plays Missy Dandridge. Mary Louise Wilson plays Dory Goldman. And yeah. So Andrew Hubastek plays Zelda Goldman. And that's all we need to say. Uh, yep. Not sure what to say, but definitely not wanting to say anything that might offend anybody. So we'll just move on. Last but not least, the minister in the movie is played by bum, 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 Stephen King. So, fast forward into the plot. The Creed family, Lewis, Rachel, and their children, Ellie and Gage, move from Chicago to rural Ludlow, Maine, after Lewis accepts... A job as a physician with the University of Maine and being evicted from their home. 
They befriend their neighbor, Judd Crandall, who takes them to an isolated pet cemetery in the forest behind the Creed's new home. Lewis encounters Victor Pascal, a jogger who is mortally injured after being hit by a truck. He warns Lewis about the pet cemetery before dying, calling Lewis by name, though they have never met. Uh, spooky. That night, Pascal appears to Lewis as a ghost and leads him to the cemetery, warning him not to cross the barrier because the ground beyond is sour. Lewis awakens, assuming it was a dream, but notices his feet are covered in dirt. Uh, During Thanksgiving, while the family is gone, Excuse me. Ellie's cat, Church, is run down on the highway. Realizing Ellie will be devastated, Judd takes Lewis beyond the pet cemetery and deep into the woods, where they reach an ancient... where they reach an ancient Micmac burial ground. Judd instructs Lewis to bury the cat and warns him not to tell anyone about what they have done. The next day, a reanimated church returns to the house. He now stinks, moves sluggishly, and is vicious beyond all viciousness towards Lewis. Judd explains that as a boy, he revived his pet dog, and that, although the cat might be different, it will save Ellie the grief of losing her pet. Sometime later... Um, they're the Crandall. Well, Judd and the Creeds are having a picnic out in the field next to the Creed house, and um, Lewis and Gage are flying a kite, and Gage throws the spool down on the ground, and they're all laughing and joking and not really paying attention as the wind starts to carry the kite higher and higher. It pulls the string closer and closer to the ever dangerous road. Um, yeah. So, um, as the spool draws near and near the road, Gage chases after it while everybody else is still laughing and joking around and having a merry time. Uh, They don't notice what's going on until uh, Judd looks up and notices that Gage is dangerously close to the road with a um, fuel truck speeding down the road and not paying attention. Judd screams at Lewis not to let Gage go in the road. Lewis turns around and notices where Gage is and takes off at a mad sprint for the highway, trying to stop his son from going into the road. Um, Ultimately, it was to no avail. Um, Gage is, 
hit by the truck and ultimately is killed. Judd anticipates that Lewis is considering burying his son in the Micmac ground, although Lewis denies it, although Lewis denies it. Judd believes that introducing Lewis to the ritual ground aroused the malevolent forces present there, which caused Gage's death. He tells him the story of a local named Billy Baderman who buried his son Timmy in the Micmac ground after he was killed in World War II. Timmy returned as a malevolent zombie, terrifying the townsfolks. A group of men, including Judd, tried destroying Timmy by lighting the Bateman house on fire, only for Bill to perish with his son. Judd insists that the burial ground is evil and Lewis must not bury his son there. After the funeral, Rachel and Ellie leave for Chicago, while Lewis remains home, despite Pascal and Judd's warnings, Lewis exhumes his son's body and buries him at the ritual site. In Chicago, Pascal appears to Ellie in a dream and warns her that Lewis warns her that Lewis is about to do something terrible. Rachel is unnerved by her daughter's dream, but can only reach Judd when she calls, who tells her Lewis is not home. She decides to return to Maine, much to Judd's alarm. That night, Gage returns home and steals a scalpel from his father's bag. He taunts Judd before slashing his Achilles tendon and his mouth before biting his throat, killing him. Yes. Yeah, biting his throat and killing him. Rachel returns home and is lured into Judd's house by the voice of and specter of her dead sister Zelda, only to discover that she is actually seeing Gage holding a scalpel. In shock and disbelief, Rachel reaches down to hug her son, and he kills her. Waking up from his sleep, Lewis notices Gage's muddy footprints in the house and discovers his scalpel is missing. Receiving a phone call from Gage that he has played with Judd and Mommy, he fills three syringes with morphine and heads to Judd's house. Encountering Church, he kills the cat with an injection before entering the house. Gage taunts him further and Lewis is startled by Rachel's corpse hanged from the attic before Gage attacks him. After a brief battle, Lewis overpowers Gage and injects him with the morphine syringe. He then lights Judd's house on fire, leaving it to burn as he carries Rachel's body from the fire. Pascal appears and warns Lewis not to make it worse, but grief-stricken Lewis believes that because Rachel was not dead as long as Gage was, burying her will work this time. Pascal cries out in frustration and vanishes as Lewis passes through him. That night, Rachel returns to Lewis and the couple embrace. Ah, oh, sweet and romance. Eh, wrong. Rachel takes a large knife from the counter as the movie blacks out. And the last thing we hear is Lewis screaming. So, um, do, 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 do. Let's see. Fun facts for Pet Cemetery One. 
uh, Pet Cemetery is a semi, semi autobiographical story. Certain events of the story are true to King's life. Um, his daughter's cat was killed by a speeding truck. Um, his son had a close call on the same road, but unlike with Gage, King's son was actually caught and saved. Uh, Ludlow, Maine is based on Orrington, Maine. George A. Romero almost directed this movie. He bought the rights back in 1984 after working with King on Creepshow. Uh, let's see. Bruce Campbell. Uh, 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 Ash from the Evil Dead movies. Was the first choice to play Lewis. And... The ending of the movie was reshot to make it scarier. Paramount wanted less ambiguity with the ending. Okay. Go figure. Um, so, uh, let's see. Briefly... Um, Just a couple of uh, <coughs> favorite lines from the movie. Um, sometimes dead is better. I mean, obviously that's not Judd saying, you know, it's better to be dead. So the movie and um, obviously an evening at the movies are not encouraging suicide by any stretch of the imagination so please 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 don't think that that's the case but um the line is more referring to the fact that um once you've gone over to the other side ultimately staying over on that side is probably for the best and coming back eh not so much Um, let's see the one more here. Well, two more. Uh, Victor Pascal, the barrier was not meant to be crossed. The ground is sour. You know, it almost like Pascal is Lewis's guardian angel trying to warn him about the path that he's going down and trying to get him to realize that what he's doing probably is not for the best. Um, and the last one being um, Ellie while talking to her dad after they moved into the house in Ludlow. but he's not God's cat. He's my cat. Let God get his own cat if he wants one. Not mine. Not mine. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's not a freaking great, well-written, or even probably well-acted line, but um, it does speak volumes to uh, emotions that kids can go through as they're starting to learn about and deal with the um, horrific nature of death and moving on to another plane. So, um, so pet cemetery one. Yes. Is a good movie. It does have its flaws in places. Um, I don't want to hate on Mary Lambert too hard for her adaptation of this movie. Um, at times it can be kind of half-assed and a little cheesy, has have a little bit of cheesy acting, but truthfully, it's probably a good 80 to 85%. It's probably a good 80 to 85% faithful adaptation. So yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. I love the movie. It's a movie I've seen hundreds of times and probably will watch it hundreds of times more. Um, Probably I'm going to go with giving it a three out of five dead cats. I don't think that's a bad rating. Like it's, it's a good movie. I'd recommend going and seeing it if you haven't seen it. I don't know if I would put it on the same level as the green mile misery or even carry for that matter. But yeah, I think three out of five is a good rating for it. Again, if you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend you go see it. It's not a bad movie. If you haven't read the book, I highly recommend you go and read the book. The book's even better than the movie is. If you're not a book reader and you're an audiobook person, I highly recommend picking up the audiobook and listening to Michael C. Dexter Morgan Hall read the book to you. It's it it's all good. So, you know, I highly recommend it. Again, for the 18th time. Recommend, recommend, recommend. Go and see it if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, go put it in your DVD player and watch it again. Pull it up on whatever streaming service it's available on. Watch it again. That's your homework assignment for the week. Go watch Pet Cemetery again. So, yeah. So, that is basically Pet Cemetery 1. Um, we are going to flip back in time here really quick and we are going to get into the quote-unquote sequel 
So the answer to your questions are all going to be coming true here in just a moment. And with that said, we will be flipping back in the notes and getting everything prepped. And we will return to you in just a brief moment. Welcome back. I hope we weren't gone too awful long for you. Ha ha. Um, so yeah, now that we're done with Pet Cemetery 1, it's time to get into the sequel. Bum, bum, bum. So Pet Cemetery 2 released on August 28th, 1992. Again, released by Paramount Pictures and again directed by Mary Lambert. It had an $8 million budget. Hmm. Look at that. It had a $3.5 million less budget than the original. <clears throat> and <laughs> had a box office of almost $40.5 million less than the original. I wonder, wonder why? But we will find out here in a few minutes. So, yes, Pet Cemetery 2 had an $8 million budget and had a $17.1 million box office in 1992, translated to a $32.2 million box office in 2021. The cast of this amazingly stellar movie. Uh, Edward Furlong plays Jeff Matthews. Jason McGuire plays Drew Gilbert. Anthony Edwards plays Dr. Chase Matthews. Darlene Flugel? Flugel? However the hell you pronounce that, plays Renee Hollow Matthews. Uh, Jared Rushton plays Clyde Parker. Sarah Trigger plays Marjorie Hargrove. Uh, Lisa Waltz plays Amanda Gilbert. And Clancy Brown plays Gus Gilbert. For those of you who have seen A Wealth of Movies... You will know exactly who Clancy Brown is because he is a phenomenally, um, phenomenally talented bad guy in almost every movie that he's ever appeared in. So, anyway, following the accidental death of his mother, Renee, 13-year-old Jeff Matthews and his veterinarian father, Chase, moved to Ludlow, Maine. Hmm. His mother's hometown. He's introduced to the belligerent town Sheriff Gus and his stepson Drew, whom Gus abuses relentlessly. Jeff also draws the ire of local bully Clyde Parker, who tells him the story of the Creed family and the legend of the Micmac burial ground. One night, Gus shoots and kills Drew's beloved dog, Zowie. After the dog 
disturbs him during sex. Let that soak in for a moment. We're going down this road. And you can only imagine where we're going from here. So anyway, Drew asks Jeff to help him bury the dog in the Micmac burial ground to see if the rumors are true that it can resurrect the dead. Zowie does indeed return from the dead, but is uncharacteristically fierce. Chase treats Zowie for his gunshot wound, which refuses to heal. Even more bizarre is the fact that Zowie has no heartbeat. Chase sends a sample of Zowie's blood to the lab. It turns out that Zowie's cells have completely deteriorated and are no different from those of a dead canine. Jeff and Drew go to the pet cemetery on Halloween for a night of horror stories with the local boys. When Gus finds out that Drew's mother allowed him to go despite being grounded, he rushes to the cemetery and breaks up the party. He attacks his stepmom, or he, no, <laughs> strike that, reverse it. I'm not reading my notes very well. He attacks his stepson, but just as he's about to hit him with a grave marker, Zowie appears. The dog fatally mauls Gus, whom the boys subsequently bury at the Indian Cemetery. Uh-huh. See where this is going. <clears throat> Gus returns to life. He now moves stiffly and rarely speaks, but treats Drew better. Over the time, Gus becomes increasingly crude and sadistic, sexually assaulting Drew's mother and brutally skinning the pet rabbits for supper. Uh, let's see. Zowie breaks out of the veterinary clinic and kills three cats before entering Chase's home and attacking him. A day later, Jeff encounters Clyde, who is about to sever Jeff's nose using a you're using the wheel spokes of his own bicycle when Gus shows up. He sends Jeff home and then murders Clyde as Drew looks on. Gus pursues Drew to their house where the boy is trapped with the savage Zowie. He escapes through a window just as his mother arrives home in the car and the two take off. Gus pursues them at high speed in his police car, eventually killing them both by ramming the car into an oncoming potato truck. <clears throat> Gus, then Gus then returns to Clyde's body and puts it in a body bag, intending to take it to the burial ground as well. We're developing a gang of Micmac burial ground freaking return from the dead rejects. Sorry, no side commentary during the freaking plot. <clears throat> After Drew's funeral, Jeff decides to reanimate his mother by using the Indian burial ground's power. Gus exhumes her corpse and brings it to... The burial ground, when Chase hears that his wife's grave has been robbed, he rushes to the Gilbert house. There he is attacked by Zowie and Gus, and he shoots them and kills them both. 
Upon coming back to life, Renee stabs and kills Marjorie Hargrove, the Matthews housekeeper. Jeff confronts his undead mother in the attic, and they embrace. Chase arrives home and urges Jeff to get away from Renee, who says she wants to spend quality time with her husband. An undead Clyde arrives and, after knocking Chase out, tries to kill Jeff. First with an axe and then with an ice skate. Renee locks Chase and both boys in the attic, which she then sets fire. Jeff kills Clyde with a severed live wire and then breaks down the attic door to escape, not letting both Jeff and Chase leave. Renee says that she wants the three of them to work things out. Renee wants Jeff to stay and join her in death, saying she loves him, but Jeff drags his father out of the house as Renee is destroyed by the flames while shrieking, Dead is better! In the final scene, a recovering Chase locks up his veterinary clinic before he and his son leave Ludlow behind. Aww, a Stephen King movie that ends with rainbows and sunshine. That Ha. So, um, a little bit of, I guess, lukewarm facts. Fun facts, generally, but we'll, we're call- for the purpose of this movie, we're calling them lukewarm. Um, Stephen King wanted nothing to do with the sequel and actually lobbied Paramount to remove his name from the credits. That's how much he despised this movie. He didn't lobby the studio to remove his name from the shining credits, but he did for pet cemetery too. And we all, if you are a hardcore King fan, know how he feel. You know how he feels about the shining. So, well, Kubrick's version of The Shining. The Creed house is not the same house because both movies were filmed in different states. So you have the suspension of disbelief of the two houses, but they are the same house, if that makes sense. Well, you're made to believe they're the same house, but Physically and realistically, they're not the same house as Pet Cemetery 2 was filmed in, I believe, Georgia. And uh, the original Pet Cemetery 1 was filmed in the great state of Maine. Uh, the Ramones wrote the closing credits theme for both movies, the original being the Pet Cemetery and. For the life of me, I probably should have looked up the name of the closing credit song for Pet Cemetery 2, but I didn't, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, Clancy Brown was nominated for a Fangoria Chainsaw Award for Best Supporting Actor, losing only to Anthony Sir Anthony Hopkins for his role as Abraham Van Helsing in Dracula. Uh, Mary Lambert wanted to bring back Ellie Creed, 
but Paramount thought a young female couldn't carry the film. Hence the reason why the story skewed and went towards being focused on the Matthews family instead of Ellie Creed post her family's death. Uh, let's see. Favorite lines from this sequel. Literally, favorite line. Two. Two lines. Favorite lines in the whole entire movie. Um, basically, uh, Clyde explaining the... Um, ultimate fate of the sole survivor from the first movie being his line where he states Ellie Creed was the only survivor. One night she went crazy and hacked up the grandparents and the cops found her licking the brains off of the knife. Yum. And then uh, the other line was delivered by uh, Gus at the end of the movie as we're building towards the climax where he states, no brain, no pain. Think about it. So, yeah, go figure. I know a lot of people with no brain and they still feel pain. So there. I've thought about it, Clancy. What do you have to say about that? <clears throat> As for my review of part two, here we go, guys. Uh, yeah. Honestly, Pet Cemetery 2, in my heart of hearts, I don't feel it delivered. I'm not an Edward Furlong fan at all, and I never have been, and I probably never will be. Um, I think Anthony Edwards tried the best he could to deliver a worthy performance with the pure hot garbage of a script that he was given. Um, as far as Clancy Brown, not going to lie. I love him as an asshole bad guy. It's his dream role and it's what he was born to play. Um, so yeah, I, Anthony Edwards trying Clancy Brown, an awesome bad guy, you know, for Tony's effort and Clancy Brown's Clancy Brown's performance. <sighs> That's literally the only two reasons why I'm saying this. Um, two out of five dead pets. Literally. Tony's effort in his performance is one dead pet. Clancy Brown's performance, two. Other than that, I really honestly, and people can hate me for saying this, but I can't find anything else at all worthy 
and redeeming about this movie. Um, take out either and or both of Anthony Edwards and Clancy Brown. And I can honestly justify giving this movie a one or even worse, a zero. But, I mean, if you love the original, check out the sequel once to see if you think I'm right about Anthony Edwards and Clancy Brown. After that, I highly recommend... I don't ever recommend throwing things away, but if you check it out on DVD, take the DVD and put it on the shelf and never put it in your DVD player again. Um, if you've seen it, then... Hopefully you guys understand where I'm coming from with this, but, um, yeah, Pet Cemetery is in my top 10 favorite King movies of all time. Pet Cemetery 2, not going to say it's my least favorite King movie of all time, because you all know what tops the band list on an evening at the movies and yeah the dark tower sucks ass um but and truly i don't even want to classify this as even a king movie because technically it's really not it's an original story based off of a story adapted from a movie adapted from a King book. So, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon is how we get this movie linked to the author. That is the Stephen King. So, yeah, I mean, I like, like I said, I, I won't ever make somebody, not watch a movie. If you guys have listened to this episode and not seen this movie and still want to go and see it, go and see it. Check it out. Formulate your own opinion. Um, feel free to post on the Facebook group page whether you think I hit the nail on the head or whether you think I'm full of crap. Not going to lie, 98% of the 112 people that are in the Facebook group, I'm pretty sure will agree with me if they watch this movie. Or at least I would hope, because otherwise the fact that 98% of you would disagree with me would totally destroy my ego and um, might have me rethinking doing this freaking podcast. Now... Yeah, not going to lie. I love doing this podcast and ain't nothing going to change that. Even if I, as long as I have one listener, I'm still recording. So you guys ain't getting rid of me that fast. So, um, yeah. So that was Pet Cemetery 1, Pet Cemetery 2. Um, as always, thank you to the dozens for tuning in every week and listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. 
uh, thank you goes out big time to Aaron for requesting me to do these two movies. I love Pet Cemetery. Always have, always will. Um, so yeah, I will even say thank you for adding Pet Cemetery 2 to your request. It had been way too long since I had seen it, and I needed a reminder as to why I feel the way I do about it. So, um, yeah. No more negativity, guys. Moving on. But yeah, thank you, Aaron, for recommending these two movies. Um, as always, if you guys have a movie that you love that you would like to hear me talk about, reach out to me on social media and let me know. I am virtually willing to do any movie possible um, with the exception of the Dark Tower. I really, 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 really don't want to do the teenage vampire porn movie. If somebody requests me to do it, please come with the reason with your request and... I will consider it. Um, yeah. Pet Cemetery 2 is getting added to the list. No offense, guys. I don't want to revisit this movie again down the road. I've seen the movie enough to know it is like a... Drilling a hole in my brain every time I watch it. But I promise no negativity, so... No negativity. But, yeah. If you guys want to get involved or aren't involved yet and want to get involved, you can find our Facebook group on Facebook at by searching the title of the show, An Evening at the Movies. Um, you can find us on Instagram, all one word, An Evening at the Movies. Uh, uh, we are on Twitter, at Evening at. And we are on TikTok as well, at AEATM95. So check us out, get involved. We'd love to have you guys if you're not already a part. And like I said, if you got movies you want to see done, get a hold of us. We will discuss getting it on the schedule if you guys are interested in potentially being a guest on the show. Again, reach out and let us know. I love having new people on the show and I love having people to talk to on the show. Um, I will continue to do solo episodes from time to time. I would prefer to have people to talk to, but if not, I'll keep 
doing solo episodes and hoping that you guys are enjoying them. So, um, other than the social media stuff, uh, coming up next on an evening at the movies, um, next week is the big day. It is next week's episodes will be dropping on September 19th, which if any of you hardcore fans know, September 19th is the day. So tune in for those episodes. Um, definitely next week is going to be thinner. Um, I'm not sure if it will be, uh, coupled with Dolores Claiborne or Cujo, or if I can get a recording schedule set up with Jackie, we potentially may get Rocky Horror Picture Show dropped as the other half of next week's episodes as well. I know, not a Stephen King movie, but it's been a promise and I keep my promises. So, but yeah. So ultimately, Thinner, Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, Cujo and Dolores Claiborne are the remaining four movies on the schedule for the next two weeks. And then we will be rolling into Halloween horror fest, which as of right now is looking like, uh, Halloween nightmare on Elm street one and two Friday, the 13th, two and three, a bonus surprise episode uh Halloween Kills, Child's Play, and Sweeney Todd so far. So also I have three spots left on the schedule for next month that we need to fill too. So if you've got a favorite horror movie you'd like to see talked about as well, reach out and let us know so we can round out the schedule for next month. So with that said, that's Pet Cemetery, guys. I thank you guys for coming back and listening. I appreciate and love each and every one of you. And I hope that you guys all come back for an evening at the movies. Have a good night, guys. And what I know Come at the grand light Making a sound The smell of death is on the rail And the night when the cold wind blows No one cares Nobody knows I don't want to be buried In the cemetery I don't want to live my life again Stones. And at night when the moon is bright, 